The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the place. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I'm very excited to have not one, but two Hale Varsity editors. I have Aaron Sorensen and Brandon Vogel. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast. How is everybody? <laughs> I was gonna see that was good, just... huh? So good. I'm good. I this is good. the problem with virtual meetings. <laughs> it is. I was hesitating, but I'm good. How are you, Brandon? Um, I'm okay. I watched Quidditch today. So you guys know when you get a smart TV and there's like the free channels, you know. Um, and one of those channels is is called For the Fans, which is like ESPN between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. from 1983 in that they just show random stuff. And today they were showing Quidditch. And this was shot on a tripod stationary camera from like field level at midfield. And it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Hmm. Like Harry Potter Quidditch? Yeah, but obviously flying brooms don't exist. Um, so you play this sport, which seems to be a mix of like dodgeball, Australian rules football, um, handball, a little bit of soccer. But everyone's playing it with a broomstick between their legs. It was it was horrible. So <gasps> that's an ESPN eight the Ocho thing. Yes, very very much so. But like maybe ESPN. Uh, Ocho might have been pushing it. This needs to be pushed further down the lineup still. Okay. Have you guys been able to watch either the the MLB's restart or, like, we're recording this late on a Thursday night, so the only NBA game you would have been able to watch would have been Pelicans Jazz. Like, have you been able to watch either of those two leagues' attempted comebacks and see, like, what it was like? not having fans in the atmosphere brandon i know that you probably have been watching european soccer so you kind of have seen it but like have you guys developed a take on this fan-free sporting environment yet honestly with the nba so i did watch a little bit of i was watching clippers lakers before we jumped on this podcast and i saw someone tweet this and it was like yes i agree with that if there's one thing that this has done it has eliminated the courtside fan and I'm so here for that. I am i don't have an issue with fans and arenas at all. But, like, the one thing that is just I've never been a big fan of is the courtside fan in NBA games and just, like, their placement. Uh, so, for me, I'm all for that, not having to literally watch random people essentially looking like they're sitting with the bench. Yeah, they do need to have more space on the floor. I hope that's one of the things that comes out of this that moves forward is is like NBA players are like, hey, we actually like having this extra space on the baseline or this extra space on the, the sideline. Can you push 
fans back. They're like too close, especially in like like the old Oracle Arena. Like it seemed like fans were right on top of you. Mm-hmm. MLB has been a little bit rough for me. Like it's just uh, it it's strange. So you know, some teams are going putting the virtual fans in. I know Fox is. Some fans are doing like the cardboard cutout, or some teams are doing the cardboard cutouts. They pump in the crowd noise, but baseball is just, you know, there's so many stops and starts in baseball that I so far have really noticed it. And I mean, I'm, I'm super glad to have baseball back and I'll get used to it, but I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, this does kind of suffer a little bit from, from not having fans there. I thought basketball would be pretty well suited to it because, you know, basketball, unlike football, like we don't really care about, like once you get in the arena, all arenas basically seem the same on TV. So that part wasn't going to matter. It's a free-flowing game. You're really focused on the court rather than kind of the atmosphere. So, you know, small sample size so far, but basketball is working about as well as I expected. It might be one of those things where this is like fifth or sixth on, on Power 5 conferences list of priorities right now. Like number one, obviously, is the the, the, the big – kind of shoe that started to drop maybe this week. The the big news of this week was that the ACC announced that it was moving to a 10-conference 10, uh, 10 game-only schedule plus one. Potentially, they did like some, some um, tomfoolery with the SEC and kind of held the SEC's arm behind its back. And then the SEC announced Thursday that they were moving to a 10-game conference-only schedule. So we're going to lose like Clemson, South Carolina. We're going to lose Florida, Florida State. Um, LSU Texas is now off, which might be uh, potentially a thing if you follow what Greg Smith writes about. Guys, do you have thoughts on the SECs? We'll start with the SEC since it's the most recent. Do you have thoughts on the SEC's announcement? It's th- There are a number of moving pieces. They're going to a 10-game conference-only schedule. They're still trying to figure out what the, the two additional games that they're going to add are going to look like. I, I think... Heather Dinich with ESPN reported that that one of the things they're considering is uh, just going based off of what's in the rotation in upcoming seasons for teams. And then another option is like ranking the strength of schedules of the, the SEC teams and then like adding games based off of how tough the schedule is or. So that'll be interesting. They've got to figure that out. They're also moving the start of the season to September 26th. So they're kind of delaying like when football starts so that they can it, it it's smart in theory. They're they've baked in a couple of weeks uh, between when students are returning to campus at large and when their football season begins. The SEC championship game is moving to December 19th. It's still going to be played in the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Um, I think there are probably some other details that need to be ironed out, but those are kind of the big pieces right now. Brandon, we'll start with you. Did you have any kind of knee jerk reactions to the SEC's announcement, anything that you liked or thought, well, this is going to be um, difficult to pull off? Um, well, I don't, th- I mean, there's so much unknown. It's hard to know what what's more difficult and, and less difficult. Um, it all seems particularly hard at the moment. I was, I was a little bit surprised. Um, well, I was surprised that, the, so the Big Ten came out and, you know, well, the Big Ten hasn't made an official announcement that 10 conference games those initial reports came from somewhere. And then the big 10 of course said conference only for sure. And heard some uh, grousing from sec officials about, 
the Big Ten doing that and kind of forcing people's hand. And then for a couple of weeks, we heard talk about a scheduling alliance potentially between ACC, SEC, and maybe the Big 12. To see the SEC basically come out and say, yeah, that's all off the table. We're doing 10 was was the first part. So they kind of followed the Big Ten lead there because they obviously certain members of the conference felt like they had to. Um, but then <laughs> they kind of put the shoe on the other foot and said, and we're going to get out in front of this. It's interesting that they moved the season back. Um, it, it, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. You're like throwing darts at a dartboard at, at trying to get this season in on – when's the right time like you know back in june when overall cases were kind of trending downward it felt like okay yeah get this started and and get as much in because the fall kind of uptick is is sure to come now you you've got to come down from a second high in terms of total number of cases so pushing it back a little bit almost i, I guess we'll see but it almost forces the big tens hand um to do something similar so, and, and you lose a little bit of flexibility that way. Um, I, I kind of think, just this is just my personal opinion. Again, we're all guessing here to a degree that September 19th, so basically two weeks past when Nebraska is currently scheduled to open the season, is kind of the point that makes sense. Because <clears throat> then you give yourself a little bit of flexibility on both ends. But SEC went ahead and pushed it all the way back. So we'll see what happens. Well, so we have kind of um, tentative start dates. Like, as currently scheduled, the first Big Ten game is going to be played on September 5th. Now, we don't know yet because we haven't gotten any kind of firm announcement from the Big Ten about what their schedule is going to look like, how many games are going to be playing, when they're going to start, whatever. That's probably going to be coming. Um, hopefully, after you've listened to this podcast, so that this podcast is not irrelevant, but that's going to be coming probably within a week or so, I would, I would say, based on just... What everybody is, I think Tom, is it Dinert or Dinert? How do you pronounce Tom's name that, that writes for the Golden Black, the Purdue's rival website? Dean Hart. Dean Hart. Okay. He, he's saying that, that you know, it, it might be coming in the near future. Pat Forty said that it might uh, come in a week. Um, but we have, like, the ACC starting September 7th, the Pac-12 not before September 19th, which is the date Brandon just threw out the SEC, obviously September 26th. The first Big 12 game, Oklahoma got – uh, a waiver approved by the NCAA to move its season opener against Missouri State to August 29th. They were originally scheduled to play on September 5th. They got that moved up. So as it stands, the Big 12 is the only conference playing in in August. Um, Aaron, were you were you surprised at all that the Big Ten was out in front of this first, and now the Big Ten is going to be one of the later leagues to actually finalize the details of their conference plan were you surprised by that at all and then do you have thoughts on what the sec is doing uh you know i think what the big 10 did was still really smart in hindsight just to get out in front of everything is just eliminating non-conference and keeping the control over its own its own schedule without having to figure out because you know I saw I've seen a number of people who've tried to say well I don't understand why Nebraska canceled its non-conference games it's only three games South Dakota State is relatively close but the thing is is it's not a Nebraska decision it's a conference decision so it's not just three games at one school it's it's three games at every Big Ten school so 
I think by eliminating that, that was the right move on the Big Ten's part. Now, to what you're saying, though, it's interesting that despite making that decision so quickly, they've now been sort of they're they're going to be one of the last to really make a decision. But at the same time, I question how many of the other conferences that have moved forward with saying we're going to start on this date or we're going to move toward this. Like the ACC has unleashed that whole beautiful schedule is any of that going to happen or are they going to have to change it again? That's the thing where maybe the Big Ten is being smart by just waiting this out and taking a little bit more time to sort of evaluate what's going to happen before saying, here's the schedule, get after it. Now I know uh, we saw a tweet, depending on when this, you know, people are listening to this, Pat Ford said that sources within the Big Ten are saying that maybe the Big Ten won't even play this fall. Um it, that could that could change when ball camp could even begin depending on that there's just so many unknowns that the, the nice thing is even if the big 10 in some point in the next day decides to make some kind of announcement and you decide to listen to this podcast on sunday spoiler alert you may not even be you may not even be privy to what the final schedule is at this point i mean anything that gets announced is subject to change so I don't know. I'm kind of in a place where the Big Ten made the right move, making that quick decision, but maybe is doing the right thing by waiting. It feels kind of weird to like hurry up and then wait, but maybe that's maybe that is the right move. I don't know. I don't know if anyone, any of us know what the right move is at this point, but it seems to be the playbook that the Big Ten's playing by it at right now. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people that have suggested that all of this stuff that's going on right now is just like posturing and the five, the the power five leagues, just like trying to pose as pretty as they can before the lights get shut off on them. Um, which I mean is, is certainly a possibility. Um, so the, the ACC and the SEC, Brandon, you kind of alluded to this were, were, you know, people thought that maybe they were going to have like a scheduling alliance. They they obviously have those those crossover games that everybody loves that get played every year. Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, Kentucky, Louisville. Um, those games were important. The, when the ACC announced what it announced, they, they said we're going to have 10 conference games, but we're gonna, then going to have one out-of-conference game for each team, potentially a, a plus-one kind of schedule. But the out-of-conference game has to be within the state. So so they left the door open for the SEC to say, yeah, we're going to keep those games on the schedule. Or they put it on the SEC that if if you want to follow in the footsteps of the other leagues, then you're going to have to be the one that cancels the games, which I thought was interesting. The ACC plan gets rid of divisions, um, which is another thing that I'm actually kind of excited about because I think divisions are dumb. Um the SEC is keeping divisions, but the ACC is going with, we're just going to take the two the, the two teams at the end of the season. If we get to the end of the season and we can play a, a conference championship game, the two teams that have the highest winning percentage, they're going to play for the conference championship game. Notre Dame was added as a 15th team. It's like a they're, they're a ceremonial ACC um, contributor for this season. They're maybe going back to independent status in 2021. We, I don't think anybody knows I, I hope that they like the ACC and decide to stay but they'll be in the ACC for this year they'll be playing ACC games if there are bowl games to be had and Notre Dame qualifies for was it the Orange Bowl they'll be able to go play in the Orange Bowl which would be cool um, and they'd be able to play for an ACC championship which would also be kind of cool Brandon 
who had just from an entertainment standpoint, who has potentially a more exciting fall slate? The ACC with its non-divisional structure and Notre Dame component or the SEC? That's a really good question. Um, in theory, the ACC with the ability to uh, construct kind of whatever schedules it's, it wants with, with no division structure uh, probably has the best potential, but the ACC is kind of Clemson. And now maybe for a year, at least Notre Dame and everybody else um, as, as kind of Florida and Miami and Virginia Tech and, and schools like that try to get to a point where they can hang with Clemson, uh, which not many teams can at the moment. Um, but I, I'm super intrigued by a 10-game SEC schedule. I mean, it's just such a high level of football across the board. You start looking at kind of, okay, the West division or the East division and then playing crossover games, like no matter what kind of draw you get, and that'll be, that'll be hugely contentious in the SEC in terms of what kind of draw they, they get from the cross division, like you're going to end up with a good team. I mean, there's, there's Georgia and Florida, of course, and I think Tennessee is going to be pretty good this year. Um, so there's three tough outs from the East, you know, on the West, you've got plenty with Alabama, LSU, uh, Texas A&M is going to be pretty good. Um, Auburn, of course. So that's that's a really brutal kind of 10-game run for, for any team. And I think you're going to see some really good football there. Uh, I would – so I'll give a slight edge to the SEC right now. However, if Notre Dame wins its first conference title in school history this year, that would be the, the most amazing story of the college football season. I I do want to just throw out there, though, with Notre Dame and the ACC, the only thing I think is going to potentially throw a wrench in Notre Dame staying with the ACC or being cool with a conference play and I, being cool with a conference to play in. And I thought this was interesting is as part of the whole agreement with the ACC, Notre Dame is giving up some of its revenue of their NBC TV share to allow for this agreement to happen I don't remember exactly the specifics off the top of my head but when I saw that line in the ACC's uh, whole big shindig that they put out there that oh and by the way uh, the ACC will benefit from that television contract with Notre Dame I'm guessing that was very difficult for Notre Dame to give up that I'm guessing that was hard for them to agree to but knowing that it's really their only option right now so I, I question if they'll be okay with that long term or if they'll want a piece back out of that the second they can because it's all about the money and the independence for a team like Notre Dame. So I guess we'll see if they find if they find themselves enjoying that more. But I am concerned that the TV situation is ultimately going to drive Notre Dame back to its its independence. <laughs> Well, their independent setup is a dream situation for them. I have this conversation with friends all the time. They like all they have to do is win eleven out of their twelve games, and they're going to be playing for a college football playoff just because it's Notre Dame and because they're an independent. They don't have to play in a conference championship game. It's pretty advantageous for them. Um, I, that being said, I don't know like the deals or the payout structures of what the ACC has for its TV deal with ESPN, but wouldn't some of like the hit that they're incurring with the NBC stuff? Wouldn't some of that be mitigated by? sharing some of 
like the ESPN and the ACC network revenue, maybe? I mean, I think the NBC deal is pretty... What is Notre Dame's NBC deal? It's, like, stupid. Yeah, I just don't think the ACC network's kind of there yet. And it'll it'll get there, um, probably. You know, they've got a good population base for their member schools, uh, which is, which is still kind of key in terms of TV draw. Um, but it's just, it's, it's newer than the big 10 and the SEC. So they're not quite there yet, but it's probably already better than the PAC 12 network for whatever that's worth. It's yeah. True. I, I'm doing a quick Google search, so I haven't been able, but in 2013, they signed a 10-year contract, reportedly worth $15 million, um, but I'm guessing that has, I'm guessing that has changed, or I don't know. I Like I said, I just basically typed in Notre Dame NBC contract into Google, so very basic search at this moment. <laughs> well, that's a lot of money. It um, is. Now I'm looking that's, at the ACC network. That's probably why the ACC wanted that in there because they wanted to, to get some of that money shared. Um, the I saw Ross Dillinger from Sports Illustrated, and I looked specifically at Florida because um, of my history with the University of Florida. They might potentially have to play Alabama and Texas A&M as their two crossover games. That would be brutal. Like you said, Brandon, I'm kind of with you, Brandon. I think that that that, that a ten game SEC schedule would be would be very entertaining depending on what your your crossover games look like because everybody kind of talks about the teams that alabama misses every year or the teams that georgia misses every year or the teams that like lsu misses every year and this is not a scheduling um topic or a covid topic but it's something that greg and i were actually discussing do you guys think lsu is potentially heading for a a major letdown of a season um well, I was already like LSU is going to be good. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be a strong team. Uh, they lost so much, and you know, in most of the the early preseason top twenty fives, you know, they kind of they're they're where you would expect a defending national champion to be, and that seemed a little bit high. Like I would be surprised if if LSU, um, I mean, I guess in a in a ten game schedule was seven and three well actually now that i say it that doesn't even sound that surprising maybe six and four would be would be a surprise and i guess that would probably be would qualify as a disappointment but yeah you know last year for them was like was so kind of magical it was it was hard to see coming (laughs) of course who knew that joe burrow was going to come out and have probably the best season any college quarterback has ever had certainly from a passing only perspective yeah. and it it was just kind of a stars lined up sort of thing and and lsu is going to be really good like don't get me wrong uh, no team in the east is gonna be like great we got lsu they're, they they have a lot to replace and they're a little bit down but yeah I, i'm with you i don't think they'll be lower in the postseason rankings than they are in the preseason yeah because you know it's one of those things where like you, you talk about in the NFL, the storyline of the guy that comes in and replaces the Hall of Fame quarterback, like nothing that he can do will ever live up to it. Like, I wonder <clears throat> what the expectation will be for, like, I don't even know the name of the quarterback that's going to be replacing Joe Burrow. But um, they also lost a defensive coordinator and they lost Joe Brady, who <laughs> I think still to this day is probably undervalued in what they were able to accomplish last season. Um, Aaron, 
I asked Brandon this, and I did not ask you this. More Jump entertaining bro. for you, Jumper. More entertaining for you, ACC or SEC, just based off of what we know right now. I'm, I have to pull up the ACC. The ACC did that, like, really nice graphic, which I got to give them credit for, is just... Um, it was aesthetically pleasing. It was aesthetically this- pleasing. I was very, I was very appreciative of them doing that. I was just like, thank you for like making this very, it was, they took a, they took the old, it's, that's how they do a lot of it with like NFL, that type of, so anyway, I really enjoyed that. This basically comes down to whether or not you are fully on board, um, the return of the Mac and on the North Carolina bandwagon, which when Brandon was listing through the non-Clemson ACC teams, he left off. I feel like I feel like the safe answer is always to say the SEC will be East. The SEC is just like I, is like I mean the SEC is good, but like I, I don't know. I'm gonna go with the ACC. I'm just gonna take it. But it is it is sad that we're gonna lose some of the like crossover games that like some schools are not gonna actually be able to play each other in traditional rivalry games between the ACC and SEC. Now that's a bummer. But all right, I'll give it to the ACC, but I d- couldn't give you a good reason why. Because at this point, like, honestly, I'm just rooting for chaos. If we're going to have any kind of season, I hope they all start at different times. I hope it's absolute chaos. I hope the teams that we think are bad end up being good. I hope this is like Alabama is like the worst team in the country for who knows what reason. I just I- I'm just like at that point rooting for just like stupid chaos so for now i'll give it to the acc but that's just because i feel like i just don't want to pick the sec well i definitely liked the um the pods idea that brandon floated a couple weeks ago and that i think bill conley has has been advocating for like this was the season to get weird and try something new and we did not do that so chaos would have been fun another another uh point in the column for Notre Dame ditching the ACC after a year is they would probably like to keep that game against USC on the schedule every year. And if you're playing a full ACC slate, adding USC as a non-conference opponent every single season might be um, a little overkill, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just like looking at this giant, like the fact that the ACC kind of gave the door open for like some of those traditional not like non-conference rivalry games that happened in the SEC was just like, no, not going to happen. So what a 2020 is a mess. Yeah. I think Notre Dame's entire history suggests that this is a, a one-time only thing. Um, they've, they've turned down every offer, which I assume must mm-hmm. be like multiple annual offers to uh, join a league and, they have consistently just said, nope, we're good. And that's fine because it, it's it's really the linchpin to all of our kind of, not just our, but anyone's eventual like Big Ten expansion discussions. Like you just got to be like, oh yeah, well you just go convince Notre Dame, which uh, we all assume like, okay, eventually it's going to happen, but it hasn't yet. So yeah, they'll be they'll be one and done in the ACC, which, which is awesome, which is why they have to win it. This will be the only time I've rooted for Notre Dame for an entire year. I'm sure at some point there was a game against the team I liked less. There was like, okay, go Irish. But now I'm like, you you guys have got to win this. You have to like, I, I want to pull up Notre Dame football's wiki page and see one conference title 
be like, man, I thought this program was one of the best. It's only won one conference title. <laughs> yeah. It, it really would be incredible if they walked in the door, snatched the trophy from Dabo Sweeney, and then said deuces and walked out. I want it to happen. Just straight chaos. That would be a, a pretty remarkable. If Trevor, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, um, which I'm not saying that he's talking about that. I'm just saying that it's kind of a real thing that people in his position have to consider. Um, is that enough to make Notre Dame the favorite? Probably not. I don't think it is, actually. But interesting to consider. Are you not buying North Carolina? No. They had so they had a ton of close games, and they they they've ended up like a little bit a little bit better than they should have, which which is fine. Like you you know, special seasons are kind of built on that. But I get a strong Nebraska twenty nineteen vibe from North Carolina, except for I was kind of strong. on board. That is not what you want to say. A strong Nebraska twenty nineteen vibe. Ooh. the difference of course being i was on board with that for nebraska i was in that camp too i thought nebraska was poised to to take a pretty big step last year and they didn't i'm not uh in that camp for for north carolina one of the unfortunate byproducts of all of this is i feel like this was going to be a very fun nebraska football team and i don't and i don't know how fun the season is going to be if they're playing michigan which I think is one of the teams that's been floated as a potential 10th game for Nebraska. That would be absolutely brutal, and somebody at the league office would be getting a phone call if they had to play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan all in the same season in a in a shortened year at that. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Nebraska was going to be – I don't know how many games they were going to win, but I thought this, this was going to be the first actually fun football team that I will have covered. Now this was in the fourth season that I will cover, um, and I thought this was going to be a fun team, and I hope that that stays the case. But I don't know. We'll see. I I just have to say, and this is going to be tough in a podcast, pers- like explaining a photo. But um, if any, so Josh Peterson, who works for sixteen twenty in Omaha, he loves to use images from a comic book that the Omaha World Herald made of Scott Frost and his journey to Nebraska like he loves to use it and he tweeted one earlier this was earlier Thursday if anyone wants to go find the photo in the tweet but he used one where it said when Scott Frost sees a schedule with Ohio State Penn State and Michigan on it and it's a very worried looking Frost saying I don't know what to do (laughs) and it just Correct me up when I saw it. So yes, you are right. There would be an angry phone call to the Big Ten office of how dare you. <laughs> Frost would just turn Jim Harbaugh in for recruiting violations and hope to get the game taken off the schedule. Oh, I just want everyone to just like get completely out of control. But that would be a brutal. The schedule already, and like we've talked about this, Derek, you're not a big like schedule. You don't love the schedule talk and like whether because when a team is. When a team gets to a point where where they should be, the schedule should kind of fall to the wayside of being like the, well, they can or can't win based. Like, yes, the schedule is hard, but it shouldn't be the defining, like, how they they should be able to stand up to their schedule. Um, but that would still be pretty brutal for an all-Big Ten conference schedule to have to face Michigan in addition to the schedule that Nebraska already has. It would just not be ideal for anyone involved unless 
your team, I guess, playing Nebraska, maybe you find it ideal, but not ideal for Nebraska. Is there an East team that routinely gets, well, not routinely, but has gotten like Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa all in the same season? Because that's essentially what this is. Like Nebraska has to, Nebraska is not in the, the stronger division. They're in the West, but they still have to play Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. And now they're going to have to play the three toughest teams in, in the East. I'm, I'm, that might be something that we have to go look up if there's been, like, m- maybe we'll limit it to the top four because, like, Rutgers doesn't really matter because they wouldn't have won anyway. But, like, has there been a top four team in the East that's played Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa all in the same season? It, it'd, be wor- it'd be worth looking up. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think some of that has to do with Nebraska's kind of historical standing and also the interest level of the fan base. So when you're putting together like the next 10 years of Big Ten schedules, which, you know, they continue to insist on doing for some reason that I don't understand. Um, you're like, oh, Nebraska-Michigan, that's a classic matchup put that on there and you just you you don't have that with michigan state wisconsin or michigan state iowa i mean yeah now that's kind of quote unquote the new guy even though nebraska has been in this league for a decade now saying that i mean i know those games matter to those fan bases and maybe to the big 10 at in a larger sense but it just doesn't have kind of the curb appeal of Nebraska, Michigan, even if Nebraska and Michigan are still kind of trying fighting to get back to, to what they once were. It's a game. Everybody understands immediately when they're watching at home on TV, they're like, Oh, Nebraska, Michigan's a primetime game. That makes sense. Uh, definitely. I'll watch that. I think that's, that's where Nebraska kind of gets the, <laughs> gets the short end of the stick on the, on the scheduling front, if we want to call it that. And it's kind of like, well, you want to be viewed as this. Um, so this is kind of what comes with it. It's late. Um, like I said, we're recording this on a, on a Thursday night, and I'm sure you guys have other stuff to do. Brandon, you're on the East Coast, so you probably have sleep to get to. Uh, so I will let you guys go. Thank you for coming on the podcast and talking about stuff that will probably change and be irrelevant in 48 hours. Appreciate both of you. You know, I appreciate you, but the people who are listening to this should just really look at it as like a commemorative keepsake. Everything that we say is subject to change at any moment. So you're just listening to history in the making. So just really enjoy and appreciate that. Stream of consciousness. (laughs) Thank you guys. We will be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, just keep reading HaleVarsity.com. There's not football going on right now yet, but we've got football content on the website every single day. Uh, You can also subscribe to Jay Moore's More To It podcast and Chris Schmidt's Hale Varsity radio show. They're both on Apple Podcasts. And you can get Jay Moore's podcast. You can get it on Spotify, can't you, Aaron? Yep, it's everywhere should be just about everywhere to the one person who asked for it to be on google play it's on google play listen to it there there you go this is going on google play soon too so Perfect. teaser there so just keep reading hailvarsity.com keep consuming hail varsity content we appreciate you right now and we'll be back next week with another podcast